0: 6 7 W classified top secret subject is. Hey kids, comics!
1: Comic books. An art form early alive. We can rebuild them. We have the technology. With digital downloads, and bookstore penetration, which sounds a bit rude, we can make them better than they were before. Better. And welcome to a very special germ-filled episode of Hey Kids Comics. I don't, I don't want your cuties. Tough, you've got a, You've inherited them. After the hectic month that was Couch Potato and our illustrious feedback episode, arguably the best episode we've ever done, very simply accurate. because... Our listeners did all the work for us. <laughs> uh, we return to our regularly scheduled programming, i.e., your hosts on this audio journey into a primarily visual medium, myself, Andrew Leyland, and my astonishing co host,
0: Michael Leyland. Well done. I thought you were reading that. No. Oh.
1: Well, I always let you introduce yourself. Why would today be any different?
0: Because we're mixing up a little. Oh, where? Yeah.
1: In what way are we mixing it up a little? you were supposed to say my name ok well alright do you want me to say your name as well no it's too late now. I've ruined it now I'm glad uh, yeah. we uh, myself we the two of us just the two of us will be looking at two comic books for your edification and delight. Because we are nothing, if not crass, commercial sellouts, for the next couple of weeks we will be looking at relaunches within the comic
0: book industry. And then after that we'll be relaunched and instead of do, uh, looking at comics we'll be looking at music from the 1970s to the 1980s. Will we not get relaunched younger? Because I'd, I'd be down with that. Oh, and there'll have to be one of us that's black and another one that's 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 gay yeah, just to have diversity yeah let's both be black dudes
1: yes let's I'm down with it we're going to get relaunched as black dudes as long as we're younger damn yeah <laughs> oh guys so want to be Luke
0: Cage oh, damn
1: that'd be pretty damn check good out my <laughs> obviously and I do apologise for the coughing and the spluttering that will obviously happen in today's episode uh, we're doing this to tie in with that minor relaunch. Very minor. Very minor. That's going on in DC Comics this very month. The issues we have chosen to look at over the next few weeks are all relaunches, reboots of established characters. We were looking at the reasons for the relaunch and whether it was successful or not, in our humble opinion. And let's be honest, it's our show. So it's going to be our opinion. You can send your opinions and we'll read them on the show, because we love getting email. But it's still our show. But it's still our show, yes. Now, Obviously, what DC is doing isn't a reboot. Wait, what? Oh, no, 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 no. But uh, returning the character to a more innocent and more identifiable time. According to DC editor in chief, Dan Didio!
0: Jeff Johns and Jim Lee have said it's a reboot. Have they? Yeah. Jack, Dan Didio was going out of his way to say it wasn't a reboot. Jeff Johns and Jim Lee's like, yeah, it's a
1: reboot. Did starting- DC know what they're doing? Oh. Okay, excellent. Now, this shouldn't really be a surprise to comic readers, as most relaunches have been every bit as wishy-washy as this. And relaunches aren't anything new in comics. Ever since Julius Swartz decided to dust off The Flash in 1956, inadvertently leading to the crisis on Infinite Earths 30 years down the line, relaunching of old characters, sometimes with a completely new costume, origin and status quo, has become a staple of the comic book industry. Granted, Swartz had the advantage of a five-year turnaround of readers. Kids traditionally read comics from ages 8 to 13, before an interest in beer and girls took over. He also didn't have to deal with internet forums and Facebook. Can you imagine if he'd have relaunched Barry Allen as The Flash in 1956 and had to deal with Facebook? This sucks! Where's his his silver helmet with the wings on? We want Jay Garrick back!
0: Jay Garrick's good, but Barry Allen's better. Do you think? Mm-hmm. See, I only ever knew Barry Allen.
1: Yeah. I, I only knew
0: The Flash. I didn't know and then Oh, it's Wally West. Like, wait, wait. wait. There's Barry Allen. And, cause and I, you got all confused. I came into comics with the cartoon. You did? That's very true. At this point, however, all the major characters
1: have at one point or another, had at least one major relaunch, if not an outright reboot, with minor league characters like the Legion and the Doom Patrol seemingly being rebooted every other year. To that end, we're kicking off by looking at the biggest of them all, up to that point, and the only time the comic industry came clean and said, yes, this is an, almost, line-wide reboot. No pussyfooting around. The year was 1986, and we'll be right back... After this promo for another fine podcast.
0: The Hulk on Podcasts. Hulk like podcasts. Hulk listen to podcasts while Hulk smash. The Hulk on Peter David. Hulk like to read Peter David comics. Hulk have problem making words. Hulk, write down. Peter David wrote a seminal
1: run on the Incredible Hulk for twelve years. Some of the most provocative, compelling stories came from this era, filled with striking psychological overtones, bold character developments, and sharp humor. Along with artists like Todd McFarlane, Dale Keown, and Gary Frank, Peter David took the incredible Hulk, and the comic book medium
0: as a whole, to new heights. The Hulk on Peter David Podcasts uh, Hope Peter David Podcasts. HULK GET MAD, HULK SMASH!
1: Hey folks, in order to appease the rampaging Hulk, there is an Incredible Hulk podcast devoted to Peter David. Pad Smash, an Incredible Hulk podcast, looks at the entire Peter David run on the Hulk, issue by issue in a bi-weekly format. Join me, J. David Weeder, on a journey through the saga of Old J. Jaws at www.IncredibleHulkSmash.com. Incredible Hulk and all related characters copyright Marvel Comics. Pad Smash is not responsible for gamma radiation sickness, smashed MP3 players, overturned vehicles, tanks thrown through the ceiling, injured supervillains on the lawn, gamma bomb detonations, property damage from debris... Deep rooted psychological damages as a result of intense child abuse, resulting in an alternate self destructive personality with the strength of an atom bomb or anal leakage. Doctor, Where are we going this time? Is it the future or is it
0: 1999? I like that. Yeah, but it doesn't have 1986 <laughs> in it. Okay, <laughs> Badly edited. Yeah. Is it the future? Oh, uh, 1986. <laughs> <laughs> <also in> it. <laughs>
1: okay. And we're back. Back in nineteen eighty-six, DC concluded the Crisis on Infinite Earth Maxi series, the purpose of which was to clean house and return the characters to a singular vision and remove all unnecessary continuity and characters. Now, we can discuss forever if this was successful, us being comic book fans and all, we have been, but the end result was most of DC's characters returned with a new number one issue and an all-new backstory. I was 14 years old when this happened, and I can honestly say, for the first time ever, I was excited about DC books. The biggest of them all was, of course, Superman. Whilst The Flash, The Justice League, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern and others, Batman was exempt for some reason, restarted over at number one. Nothing was as exciting as the buzz surrounding Superman. For one thing, DC had poached writer-artist John Byrne over from Marvel to helm the reboot as writer and artist on the two main Superman books. For another, this was receiving major publicity from the mainstream news networks. Byrne's revamp started with a six-issue miniseries called The Man of Steel before the regular Superman book launched with a new number one. This was a huge deal. There haven't been a Superman number one since, well... Superman number 1 in 1939 and John Byrne was doing it. I journeyed all the way to Odyssey 7 in
0: Manchester. So I should have done.
1: That. Yeah, it doesn't exist anymore. Every 2 weeks on the train to pick these books up new rather than waiting the 3 month lag time for the UK copies to hit the newsstand. And Man of Steel number 1 was the first and I think only time I ever bought two copies because of a variant cover. Superman 1 came out in the US on October 9th, 1986. So I will have bought this on October the 11th, 1986. Who says I don't put research into this show? I remember you
0: bought another issue twice. Which one? It's a Spider-Man 2099 one. I don't have Spider-Man 2099. Can you put the two covers together. Oh, yes, but you know? I did that accidentally. Oh, okay.
1: Because it has a different cover, I didn't think I had that issue. Right. So this is the only time I think I've... Bought a comic, knowing yeah. I've bought it twice because it had a different cover. Yeah. I did have two issues of this, Superman yeah. number one, and I kept my other copy of this in my art folder at school. Okay, well. true story. Because I loved it, okay, and I thought it was a fantastic comic when I was fourteen. Yeah. And I, and I would wave it in the face of people that used to read comics, and I said, "Yeah, look at this. Superman gets beaten up. This is a cool comic." And people would look at the art and go, "Don't look that bad." See, because I wasn't picked on at school. Your mum's chuckling at that. I was not bullied at school. I have never been bullied in my life. I don't let people bully me. No, only by you, obviously. Only by the missus. No, I've never been bullied at all. I got on quite well with everybody at school. In the sense that
0: I couldn't stand anybody, so I I loathed them all equally. Yeah. But that's equality, I, isn't it? I, I don't let people bully me. You read comics. Yes, Grant Morrison. Hyper punch!
1: <laughs> How did you just say? Uh, yeah. Why do I care what you think? That's a good attitude to have in high school, I think. Um, Superman number one, to get us back on topic, has a fantastic cover in which Superman is getting off the floor in obvious pain as a Terminator-esque robot bathes him in green. The only thing wrong with this cover is the crappy yellow background, which makes it look a bit cack. But in every other respect, from the art by burn to the cover copy, it's your first issue, Superman, and it could be your last. This is a must-buy cover. Oddly, this does happen in the issue. Mm. This isn't just one of those fabricated covers. What do you think of that cover, Michael?
0: It'd make a decent statue.
1: You think? What, well, one of those DC Direct things? Presumably it would have a, a not have a yellow sky... Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to ask a completely other opinion. What do you think of that cover, Lovely Wife, who I love lots? It's the Iron Giant. He does look a bit like the Iron Giant, but you're, you're arty. What do you think of that cover? Don't
0: put me on the spot or
1: anything. No, no, I would never do that.
0: <sighs>
1: That's your artistic appraisal.
0: It's good, it's just a bit simple.
1: Well, how do you mean? Because we're gonna. The reason I'm doing this, dear listener, is that my wife will regularly look at comic covers and go, "Oh, that anatomy's crap." Oh, that thigh looks wrong. that
0: wrong, an Anatomy, yeah, it's very good, but well, I like Glamrock <laughs> Covers.
1: So. Well, despite the fact that they all look like Johnny Depp. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So there you go. Three different opinions on this cover, all of whom think it's excellent. So there you go. The story was called Heart of Stone. It was written and pencilled by John Byrne and inked by Terry Austin. An art team supreme. To my 14 year old eyes. Okay. John Costanza lettered, Tom Ziuko coloured, and Andy Helfer edited. So the story begins Superman is breaking and entering. No, really, he is. Turns out the Man of Steel has been following a trail to this place for three months now. A place that seems to have an inordinate amount of memorabilia about Superman. He's not taken a trip to the Superman Museum in Metropolis, Illinois, but in a strange old man's place. That sounds a bit wrong, that doesn't it? Just that he's in a strange old man's place. Yeah. He knows this because he finds the old man dead in the back. Instead of turning the facility and the dead body over to the police, Superman hides it in space. So breaking and entering and hiding a dead uh, I thought he was a duly deputised officer of the law. That seems a bit like law
0: breaking to me. But maybe that's being just a me. vigilante isn't law breaking
1: enough? No, well, Superman's not a vigilante though, is he? That's the point. Batman's a vigilante. So is Superman. Superman's not.
0: He's fighting.
1: No, he crime. isn't. Yes, but he works with the police. The police recognise him as a an officer of so the law. Batman, not. Because Batman works with the tacit agreement of one police commissioner, the police, as a rule, don't support Batman. Batman can't go to court and prosecute people. Superman can.
0: Well, Batman don't want no one getting his way.
1: Well, that's true because Batman's cool, but yeah. Superman's just as cool in his own way. Because my thinking on that was Superman could always go to court and testify under the name Kal El, yeah. so he could testify in court. Why
0: could Batman not-
1: because unless you're George Clooney and have credit cards in the name Batman, I presume that Batman would not have a social security number (laughs) under the name kal he could be registered as an American citizen, yes the Batman could not (laughs) so Mr. Man (laughs) (laughs) so Mr. Man, where were you on the evening of the 13th when the Joker was killing lots of people? Well I arrested him (laughs) And how did you do that, not being an officer of the law? I use the
0: him. I use my utility belt. <laughs>
1: citizens arrest? Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll give you that. So Batman makes citizens arrest. Okay.
0: I hit him with my bat fist. Yes. <laughs> my bare knuckles.
1: Superman then returns to Earth because law-breaking be damned he has a jogging date with Lois Lane. Lois, despite being very attractive is extremely bitchy to Clark having not forgiven him for beating her to the Who Is Superman story which has to have been a few years ago in story time at this point. To quote Ansaraj, who holds a grudge this long? Women and gays, bro. Women and gays. <laughs> I'm glad that you two both quoted that. <laughs> Whilst out jogging they run into a holdup at the bank. A Kirk Douglas-looking bad guy beats on Clark, conveniently thrown out of the way so he can change to Superman, and threatens to kill Lois, all the while boasting that he's stronger than the Man of Steel. Superman shows up and overconfidently offers to take him to the nearest precinct house, but Kirk Douglas punches him. And punches him. And punches him. Some more. Repeatedly, Kirk Douglas punches him, and Superman keeps getting up to get knocked back down again, all the time proudly proclaiming his name is Metallo. Even after the police show up and fill in full of lead, Metallo gets back up and pounds on Superman. In between punches, Superman asks who he is and what he wants. And although he doesn't tell the man of tomorrow, we see in Metallo's mind's eye that he was rebuilt from a car crash into some kind of cyborg by a kooky mad scientist and equipped with a kryptonite heart for the sole purpose of killing Superman. Because, with absolutely no evidence to the contrary, kooky mad scientist believes that Superman is in fact the first of an invading army. Now, that sounds a bit silly, yeah. but that is pretty much the premise of the new Krypton story arc. Is it? Pretty much. Okay. General Sam Lane, Lois's dad, yeah. pretty much thinks that Superman is the vanguard of an invading army and has spent years building up a force of resistance. All right. So, essentially, they've took that idea and stretched it into 500 issues worth of storyline. Is anyway, it it's okay, but let's not get sidetracked on that. It drags him in the middle. It really does. Metallo kills kooky mad scientist and, covered by some skin-coloured pyjamas, he takes off. In the here and now, he's comfortably kicking the crap out of Superman live on TV. Lex Luthor sees this and, because he has vowed to kill Superman, intervenes, capturing Metallo and saving Superman's skin. Only Superman suspects Luthor is behind it and fears that life is about to get a mite more complicated. What do you think of the issue, Michael? I thought it was quite good. Did you enjoy this one? I did, actually. I'm very impressed yeah. that you actually like something that I like. Hmm? Good. Excellent.
0: Right. <coughs> you know that, as well as killing off Barry Allen... Yes. ...and Supergirl, Marv Wolfman also planned to kill Superman in Crisis uh, on Infinite Earths. Where did you read this nugget of information? Um, I can't remember, but I know. I read it. Right. Um, oh, I didn't know apparently this. Apparently, at the end of it, after Superman died, the old... Earth 2 Superman would wipe off, makeup off his face so he looked like normal Superman and say that uh, once you get to a certain point, Kryptonians don't age anymore. So he covered oh, it up. Oh, convenient. He covered it up so no one knew about it and then he would take over the ongoing Superman books. All oh, right, Was that Wolfman's pitch hmm? for revamping Superman?
1: I think so, yeah. Because there was a number of pitches from John Byrne. Byrne has said as well it wasn't his decision. To okay. reboot Superman, he said he had an incontinuity story that would have run in Man of Steel yeah. that would have ultimately ended up with him at this point. Yeah. So it wasn't him who demanded a reboot; it was DC's decision to do it that way. That's
0: quite interesting. Um, on panel page two, panel three, Superman refers to Jonathan Kent as his adopted parent. Now I don't like this in a Superman group because every Superman story I've read, it's always. Uh, Mark and and Ken are his parents and the Kryptonian parents are just uh...
1: well see that's quite interesting because that, that's very definitely your age mm-hmm. you were born in 95 when the reboot had been in effect for ten, nearly 10 years at that point where it was established that Clark thought of himself as Clark yeah. Superman was just a fancy suit that he wore and Jonathan and Martha were his parents for all intents and purposes he didn't know jor and Lara no. they gave birth to him but he didn't know that and also Lois and Clark the TV show cemented that in people's minds as well in Lois and Clark Dean Kane played Clark yeah. you can argue that he didn't actually ever play Superman he played Clark in Superman's outfit but for the most part Dean, cl- Dean claimed Dean Kane played Clark Kent and in the Superman, in the animated series is that the same? I think so he really thinks of his mum and dad as being Jonathan and Martha mm. so by wiping all this away in this new reboot how do you feel about that? well essentially Jonathan and Martha are dead at the time that Superman 1 begins, yeah. action 1 begins and he's on his own Okay. So he doesn't have his parents anymore, and that's his feelings of alienation. Obviously, I've not read this yet. Mm-hmm. So, if your opinion is that Jonathan and Martha are his parents, how are you going to feel about Grant Morrison shovelling all that under the carpet and pretending that it never happened? I don't know I'm not ready yet. Oh, okay, fair enough. That's a cop-out answer. I'll tell you when we
0: actually do actually one, which we will be doing.
1: Lovely listeners. Alright, okay, fair enough. That's quite interesting that you think that Jonathan and Martha Kent are his parents. What do you think, lovely wife? That is Who do you think Superman's parents are? Not Jor-El and Lara. No. Why not? Who are your
0: parents?
1: That's actually a very good question.
0: <laughs> really, isn't it? Yes. Okay, fair enough. Carry on. I, I do like how she's become your lovely wife and not your filthy assistant.
1: No, she's my lovely wife. Oh, okay. She was only a filthy assistant when we were doing Warren Ellis. And then, much much later, till about last week. Yeah, but yeah. continuity can bog something down, as we've learned from DC Comics. Right. So we don't do continuity anymore. Right. Okay. I'm going to change your date of birth for no reason. I'm younger. <laughs> yes, yeah, like Buffy the Vampire like and Thomas Magnum. Thomas Magnum had about
0: three different birth dates as well. Anyway, carry on, Young I'm Michael. Uh, page 2, panel 4. Yes. Superman mentions Hawkman being an alien. Yes. Now, Hawkman wasn't always an alien from Thanagar. That was just his post-Crisis <coughs> incarnation. Well, I was going to say, he's alien? always
1: been an alien from Thanagar, as far as I know, but my knowledge of yeah. Hawkman is the very, very
0: limited. Earth two on he was just a who dressed like a hawk. Was he? Mm. So he's not always been an alien from Thanagar? I don't think so. I think that's just after post Luke Giaconetti if you're
1: listening to this let us know because Luke has a Hawkman blog Does it? so if anyone's going to know the answer to that question it would be Luke if I'm wrong now I don't, I'm not saying you are I don't know my, okay. my knowledge of Hawkman is very 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 limited kind of to his appearances in Superman
0: comics to be honest with you never really got into Hawkman he was quite cool in Justice yes he, he did an issue of beating up toys and Hawk Girl was
1: very cool in the Justice League cartoon So, and he wasn't bad in Smallville.
0: No. To be honest, played by the guy from Stargate. Uh, Page four, panel one. Yes. So, Superman can hear and smell things from, like, halfway around the world, right? Yes. But he can't smell a rotting corpse in the next room.
1: I thought that as well. I mean, as soon as he walked in, I say walked in, as soon as he broke in to this house, I would have thought he'd have gone, oh, what's that smell, dude? (laughs) So, yeah, I I agree with
0: that. That is a is a bit of a problem, yeah. So page five, how he just kicks up yeah, the building. I thought the this was immensely cool. It's one way of solving a problem. Yeah, he, he
1: scoops up the entire facility and takes it up into
0: space, which is, is an excellent way of solving the problem. Mm. You're absolutely right. And what's Lois' problem with Clark? It's just one story. Surely you can forgive him
1: for that. Um, Well, if we're to believe the in-story chronology, and I'm sure the From Crisis to Crisis guys, Michael Bailey or Geoffrey Taylor will point out if I'm wrong, but I think there must have been at least five years and maybe even seven years in between... What Lois is annoyed about here happening, which is Clark scooping her on the "Who is Superman" story, Dude, which landed him the job at the Daily Planet.
0: Who holds a grudge that long?
1: Women and gays, bro. Women and gays. I'm quoting Entourage, though. Don't don't get upset at me if you're a woman or you're gay. I have no problem with women or gays, or even gay women.
0: I have no, <laughs> no problem. I, I encourage that. No, no problem with that at all. Um. And on page 20, yes. when the building collapses around Metallo and he's, he gets up and he's a robot. How easy do you think it is for artificial flesh to rip off like that? Uh, I don't know, not
1: being in possession of artificial flesh, but issue, oh god, was it 17 or 18 of Star Wars, the Marvel Star Wars series? There's a character, a cyborg character in that, Valance, if memory serves, and he manages to just pull his skin off really easily as well. Okay. So I think the answer to your question is how quickly does the writer want it to come off?
0: Yeah.
1: Is the answer. So it's not like a Terminator has to cut his arm off? No, it doesn't seem to be like the Terminator where he has to actually physically carve his skin off. I want to take his face off. Oh. Um, I thought page one I thought that splash page was brilliant mm. Byrne does sell his original artwork yeah. on his website and he does loads of cool commissions as well uh, I'd have that page but I really don't know how much it'd sell for the splash page of Superman bursting through the kooky mad scientist's home uh, is brilliant it's still breaking an entry. Superman has no reason to suspect wrongdoing at this point and even if he did he can't just go around breaking into people's private property Mm. Not unless he's got a search warrant, which let's face it doesn't look like he has, given the fact that he then takes this place and hides it in space. So he's obviously up to something a bit off the Batman could do that. And would well, do that.
0: Well he could could really but
1: but Superman would No Batman would break and enter. Well, Granted, Batman had broken enter in such a way that it wasn't so obvious.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Sneak through an event or yeah. hide in a you box. You
1: wouldn't know Batman had been there. No. Superman, you're kind of like, A, there's now a big hole in the side of my wall. <laughs> and B, where the hell's this crater come from?
0: Batman is sneaking there all Metal Gear yeah. Solid style. Not very subtle, in is in it? A, in a box. Not very subtle at
1: all. Subtle. Uh, page two, <laughs> subtle. Page two and throughout the issue... Superman's thought bubbles are full of exposition for new readers and people with bad memories. Uh, which is why I think he refers to Jonathan Kent as his adopted father. Right. The idea being there may be somebody who is picking up this first issue who's never read a Superman comic before. Mm. And doesn't know who Jonathan and Martha Kent are and all of that gobbins. Um, comics don't really do this anymore, do they?
0: No. And
1: whilst there's a part of it that understands why, especially... Now, everything's reprinted in trade paperbacks. I do think it is one of the nails in the coffin of single issues. It's always catch up, go up to speed. Oh, we're leaving you behind! Yeah, I I think it's a shame that. You want to read Blackest Night? Read the past 75 years, continuity! Yeah, see, you don't have to read any. You've not read anything of this
0: Superman run, have you? You read Man of Steel when you were a kid. Yeah, I don't remember anything. Exactly. Though. So you read this cult. Oh, I remember Lex Luthor going, Ooh, o'clock Ken Superman? No! It's impossible. That's the next issue. Is it?
1: That's not in Man of Steel. Okay. That's issue number two of this. We almost did that. Did we? But that would have defeated the point of doing relaunch issues, yeah. wouldn't it? <laughs> so I decided against that. Uh, page four Superman finds a dead body and a vat of acid with human remains in it. Okay. Yeah. What does he do? He hides it. He does, he hides it. And Angela's looking at me funnily. Here. Like, no, he does. Way to go, Julie Depeside, officer of the law. However, it is really cool how he hides it. He does a little homage to Superman the movie on the top of page five, panel one, by spinning around really fast to make a hole in the floor. Then he lifts the whole lot up and dumps it at Lagrange Point in space. On page five, there's lots of plausible science thrown in for how Superman's powers actually work and how he does what he does with the house. It could be pseudo-science, mm. to be honest with you. But at least it's an attempt to scientifically justify how Superman does all this stuff. Burns received a lot of flack from certain fans for his tendency to overthink stuff, to show how clever he is. But I quite like stuff like this. Yeah, And the LaGrange Point stuff um, is quite educational as well. Um, who says you don't learn anything from comics? I don't know everything. From- I learned about LaGrange Point from this. I didn't know what LaGrange Point was when I read this. as was 14 years old, yeah. I learned it from Final Crisis. Yeah, but they're knitted off theirs. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, dear. I also... Oh, God. Um, it's also where I learned that Lois is a hottie. Okay. Especially on the last panel of page six. although um, um, she's rocking that 80s headband Uh, isn't she (laughs) which is quite cool and she's got a vest tucked into her shorts Hmm. which I'm not sure about but she's wearing very short shorts who wears short shorts
0: not me
1: I quite like that Um, Clark likes to dress like Rocky Balboa yeah (laughs) doesn't he (laughs) with
0: glasses
1: with with George Reeves specs on obviously Hmm. but that is Rocky's training outfit from the first Rocky film isn't it didn't he have a hat I think, yes, Rocky did have a hat, but Clark, it looks like it's a bit warm, Mm. so it doesn't look like Clark would need a hat. still wearing a jumper, though. He's he's wearing a training jumper. He's not wearing a jumper jumper, to be honest with you. Page seven, panel two. I like that panel. In addition to the the woman jogging with very short shorts on Mm. and a crop top showing off her midriff, there's a rather portly woman exercising along with all the hard bodies. Mm. I quite like that. Okay. Everyone's got to start somewhere. Okay. she's at least tried to lose some weight and I like that she's looking at the woman who's running past her thinking, ah, I'm going to have an ass like that <laughs> or she's thinking, bitch <laughs> no,
0: I'm going to have an ass." more likely like bitch, that.
1: do you think no, I like mm. that they've got a portly woman doing some exercise I think that's quite cool uh, the art in this issue is
0: fantastic
1: what did you think of the art?
0: generally that, um, I'm not a fan of John Byrne really but I like his robots and computers and stuff is tech. Yeah. He does do good tech. Hmm. Burn Robotics, which is the name of his website, isn't
1: it? It is. Burn Robotics. Did you
0: win the Man of Steel graphic novels? No, I didn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> no,
1: <that's not>. yeah. <laughs> um, I think the art's brilliant, like I said. Burn and Austin are a fantastic combination. It's impossible, <coughs> oh, excuse me, for any artist to look bad under Terry Austin's inks, to be honest. Hmm. But he just. When he teamed up with John Byrne, like on this and on the X-Men, it was just magical, to be honest with you. The artwork in this was so superior to pretty much everything else we were seeing. The only problem I have with this, I think it's let down by the colouring. Yeah. I mean, the details in some of the panels that are particularly in the bank and in the park is excellent. But if you look at the colouring, Lois's vest changes colour. <laughs> it's yellow on page 8 by the time you get to page 12 it's orange oh that's sweat yeah it could be because my my jogging top's changed from black to grey hasn't it Mm. just because of the pure amount of manly man sweat that I give off not lady excrete page 11 Um, do you get a Jack Kirby vibe from page 11 panel two? the close for the eyes no do you not I get a real Jack Kirby thing off that
0: Okay.
1: I think it's very Kirby-esque I don't know why I just That's just me. Page 12, panels 4, 5 and 6. Lois looks for Clark and find a tunnel that burrows inwards. She doesn't jump to the automatic conclusion here that Clark is Superman, however, despite the evidence. Mm. She thinks Superman burrowed underground, came in the bank, rescued Clark, left, and then came back in the front way. Yeah. Uh, is that plausible to you? I
0: thought she was true. Is
1: this not a time for a Tempest quote?
0: Probably not. How stupid was she? Oh, that's Tempus. Tempus. Clark Kent. Superman. Yes. <laughs>
1: is that the best episode of Lois and Clark other than the pilot? Possible. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, my issue... <coughs> excuse me again. My issue has a postcard stapled in the middle to send off for a complete trade paperback special edition version of Man of Steel. But do you know the reason I didn't get this? Why? only open to residents of the USA. Oh. That's discrimination. That's quite a frankly. slap
0: to the face. Yeah,
1: I think in today's discriminatory society I could sue them for that. <laughs> to be honest with you. I want my Man of Steel trade paper back. Damn you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to sulk until I get one. Uh, page 14 which is after the advert for the Man of Steel trade paper back. Superman takes a real pounding. Yeah. On page 14 his face is badly bruised and all puffy and it only gets worse on pages 21 through 23 how does Clark explain the bruises to Lois or do they Uh, just disappear when his power returns because as this issue ends on page 23 his face is still a mess yeah so does Clark just stay out of Lois's way for a bit or does he just hope she doesn't mention it or does he say oh I got them when Superman burrowed me out of the tunnel he accidentally clubbed me yeah he accidentally beat me up page 16 panel 1 if we have a look at that one. That was a popular trick of Burns, that. He's actually got the character standing on the panel borders, Uh which I always loved it when he did that. He did that quite a lot, and I was always quite impressed with it. It's a pity kooky mad scientist's brain couldn't be harnessed as a force for good, because not only does he get a piece of kryptonite... Figure out its origins, work out the Kryptonian language, rebuild a man from scratch in a cyborg body, cover the body in human looking skin and work out how to use Kryptonite to power the body. He's also been able to get pictures of Superman, something that no newspaper has been able to do and presumably knows about the Kents. The only thing he got wrong was that Superman was the first of an invading army and trusting Metallo. Or maybe he's still alive, Changed his name to Robert Kirkman and used the idea to create an image comic called Invincible. Uh, Lex Luthor's on... Oh, God. Lex Luthor's building on page 19 is a great... Look at that. Panel 1. That's a fantastic big piece of art. But yeah, well, not only is the building a big L because Luthor has a huge ego, um, but the reflection of the clouds in the top.
0: Yeah.
1: If you ever flew in an aeroplane over glassy buildings, that's brilliant. I love that. Byrne does buildings really well. It has to be said. Uh, do you know, I think Lex looks a bit thinner, though? thinner than he would do in later issues? As it goes along, he'll pork less Lex out a bit. Yeah. But I think he looks a bit thinner.
0: Though. I thought he and thinner and ginger. No, he was a
1: bit thinner in Man of Steel when he showed up. Yeah. And he had her, and then he lost his her and put weight on as he oh, goes no. along, which and is quite good. Ginger. And he goes. No, he was ginger
0: So when does he get long ginger hair?
1: When he comes back in his own cloned body as his own son. Right. Then he has long ginger hair. They saved...
0: Luthor's brain that's the one yes have you not read them yeah you must have read them because you've read the death of superman haven't you i know you had to explain it to me uh, who's right. this ginger bloke why is he saying he likes luther well, but you only have to read this "Save luther's brain and it explains the whole thing i don't read this oh all
1: right okay just the death of superman okay I, I like that the ending is really ambiguous with only us and superman knowing that luther is metallo and by extension kryptonite but not knowing what he'll do with it you will find that out next issue. Elsewhere in the comic there's also a text piece on the final page that, based on comics Burn has since made on his web forum, can only have been made in happier times or he was being very diplomatic. More recently he said that given his time again he would not do the revamp of Superman and actually stay on the Fantastic Four. He has very few nice things to say about Marv Wolfman or indeed his tenure on the book at all. Which is a shame really because I think he's run on Superman some of the best work he did with... Mm-hmm a few errors in places. It was burner who introduced the idea that Clark and Superman were raised as brothers, which was well, a very dopey idea. Okay. Lois works out yeah. that Superman has to have been raised in Smallville at some point. Right. And Jonathan Kent blurts out, yeah, we raised him. And Clark's his half-brother. Adoptive foster brother. Yes. 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 <laughs> Clark's his adoptive brother. Yes. And then Superman has to go along with this then, because Jonathan Kent's blabbed because he said, I couldn't think of anything else to say. Um, They quickly forgot about that, because let's be honest, that's a bit of a dopey idea. Just a tad. And having Superman and Big Barda take place in a porn film. Really? Yeah, I'm not entirely sure that's a good Uh, idea. Did he get brainwashed? Yes, by Sleaze. Yeah, I've read that one. Have you read that one? Yeah, that's that's not a great idea, is it? (laughs) And every time Superman got brainwashed, he got some action. In the yeah. Apocalypse one, where he didn't know who he was. He yeah. got some action in that one as well. So there were, you know, some caveats to that. But, you know, for the most part, I think this was some of his best work. Um, this is a particularly strong first issue. And given the rebooting of the entire almost DC universe, this is the one time where the hype was fully justified and a quality product resulted in the changes. The Post Crisis Superman was the only book I continued to read after Byrne left, something I rarely did with the other books he left, which often became unreadable after his departure. Exhibit A, My Lord, Alpha Flight which became awful after John Byrne left which was a shame because that was a really good book Uh, you can say what you want about the man and everyone has an opinion on him but at this point in his career his work was golden some of the dialogue is a bit expository by today's standards but the book wasn't written today it was written 25 years ago and it's a damn good read one of the few times a reboot relaunch was a full and total success as evinced by the fact that a 15 year old boy Read this for the first time today, yesterday? Yesterday. And you enjoyed it?
0: Yeah.
1: It's very good, isn't it? It is. Would it make you read more? I don't know. Huh. You didn't enjoy it that much, then? No, I enjoyed it. It's just not my type of Superman Well, today. it's a 25-year-old book at this point. Yeah. This isn't your kind of comic anymore, mm. really. You've grown up with the decompressed 48-part epics, have yeah. you? Done in one, issues don't really exist for you anymore. Yes, still it. Yes, uh, there's no really cool adverts in this book, to be honest with you. Um, there's karate kid action figures on the back. <laughs> I don't know that they got over here. M and one for the Superman reboot, where it advertises all three books, Action Comics, Superman, Adventures of Superman, and uh, yet another attempt to reinvigorate Jack Kirby's The Demon. Another character who always seems to be on the reboot docket. And um, a Legends crossover advert for the Justice League, The Phantom Stranger and Firestorm. Like, I like the Phantom
0: Stranger one. Uh, yeah, it's a good cover, that. It's MC Yes, it is. I also noticed the Doctor Who annual is another take another on
1: another take on Escher, yeah. Um, the, the adverts aren't too exciting in this one, but you don't care because the book is damned good. Uh, we'll be right back after I've inserted a promo for somebody else's show. Probably somebody who says nice things about us. No favouritism in this show say enough things about
0: this and we'll play <laughs> yeah.
1: In October. Return to the fight for freedom. In the name of adventure. I am Luke
0: Skywalker. Uh. I have a really bad feeling about this. Uh. Return of the Jedi. I will not fight you. You must. Vader. You are unwise to lower your defenses. 20th Century Fox and George Lucas present... The time for our attack has come. The last chapter of the Star Wars Trilogy Special Edition. How could they be jamming us when they don't know... If we're coming... It's a trap! Your fleet is lost, and your friends will not survive. the jedi with newly enhanced visual effects dhx and digital sound and a few new surprises live the magic experience the power and feel the force like never before i am a jedi like my father before me, so be it. Jedi. In October, the last chapter of the Star Wars Trilogy Special Edition. Jedi. Return of the Jedi. At 2 Com. And we're back. Oh, very
1: professional. Thank you. I'm very impressed with how you did that. Yeah, Angela can do the next one okay if we do another one our second book today our second and final book today is another signature character who like Superman it was felt by the powers in charge had accumulated a few too many barnacles on his hull the ever amazing Spider-Man has been through numerous changes in the early 1990s from his marriage to his fashion model girlfriend Mary Jane Watson to his achieving some measure of success as a photographer even going so far as to have a book of his photos published and appearing on TV talk shows Marvel felt Spider-Man had journeyed too far from his roots. The solution to this was a sprawling, epic storyline called The Clone Saga, which started well, meandered in the middle, but had quite a strong and very controversial ending, in which Peter Parker was revealed to be the clone. And the clone that showed up out of the blue, a stranger with the name of Ben Reilly, was revealed to be the real Peter Parker. With MJ pregnant, Peter and Mary Jane were written out of the book, and Ben Reilly took over. Oh, really? O'Reilly. Oh, it's comedy gold! <laughs> you people don't pay for this! Granted, you probably wouldn't. No, you should, though. <laughs> yes, put a tip in the PayPal jar, because this is quality entertainment. If you don't uh, Now, John Byrne, he of this here parish, did a revamp of Spider-Man, uh, and we did cover that on a previous episode. So I point you towards that episode. I tell you which number it is, but I don't remember. But if you go on the web page, of which I will mention in the end credits, and just scroll down, we covered three major reboots in Spider-Man's Life. Yeah. But this one, Ben's tenure as Spider-Man proper, began with the sensational Spider-Man issue zero. Stop fondling <laughs> the enhanced cover. A giant-sized special, not a giant-sized man-thing, by Dan Jurgens and Klaus Jansen. Dan Juergens?
0: Dan a title.
1: No, it's a Spider-Man title. Greg Wright was the colourist. Richard Starkings was the letterer. And Mark Bernardo and Bob Badajanski were the editors. The book came out on November 7th, 1995. And was 48 pages with no ads and a holographic cover. Because this was the 90s. The story was called Ultimate Responsibility. The cover... Is some kind of what would you say that it's it's not 3D that is, is that lenticular. I think so. And if you hold it as far back as you can, it's a picture of Spider-Man in his proper costume. And then another picture of Spider Man in his proper costume morphs into a picture of Spider-Man in his Ben Riley costume, which becomes a big picture of Spider-Man in his Ben Riley costume. And it's perfectly fine as a lenticular card. As a cover, it's crap. It's a bit dull.
0: It is. Yeah. There it is. doesn't
1: leap off. Stands at you in the way the Spider-Man 2099 one did, or even the Batman 500 that we covered, because you you have to pick this up and play with it to see what it's doing. Yeah. And it's not doing it particularly well, is it? There's no way you can hold this where you can see
0: it clearly. The
1: the image, the four different images, clearly. It's it's kind of a failed experiment there. Just a bit. And it pumps the price up. Yeah. Obviously. Um. The story begins. Ben Riley is at the grave of Ben and May Parker, wondering what to do with his life, and where does he go from here, given that he's got no money and can't even afford flowers for their graves. Of course, trouble happens, and Ben prevents a flower vendor from being ripped off. So gratefully, see, he offers Ben free flowers if he visits his brother's shop. Ben thanks the guy and takes off, thinking that maybe it's time for him to readopt the mantle of Spider-Man. First off, he decides he needs to make web fluid and a new costume. The fluid is easy, albeit costly, but the costume is another matter. Ben hits a coffee shop where the owner gives him a 25% discount as he's down to his last $5. As he eats, a prima donna model enters and gives Ben an idea. He heads to the Centennial University, finds the fashion department and raids the used stock. He quickly fashions a new suit and takes off on his inaugural flight. Whilst out, a young lady spots him who has been waiting for long time for Spider-Man. Thus, a major plot point cometh. With all this A plot stuff happening, a B plot involving a shadowy figure I think we've mentioned before that there's always a always. shadowy figure, has mm-hmm. hired a high-tech uniformed guy called Amada to steal a DIT chip. A DIT? No idea. Is it not DIT? It may be. I still don't know idea what it is. From the Neural Port Complex, which is, you guessed it, right opposite Centennial University how convenient Indeed. of course Ben bumps into Armada and a fight ensues fighty McFightenstein Spidey stops Armada saves the scientist under threat and passes his new baptism of fire but the ditch chip gets away on some flying thingamabob that Armada treats as sentient because he's a nutball Turns out Mysterio is behind the whole thing, and Spider-Man should rue the day he crossed his path. Stop ruining. <laughs> Go on, stop rueing! Ben returns his 25 cents to the coffee shop owner who offers him a job. Ben having dyed his hair blonde, returns to May and Ben's grave to the glow that Spider-Man swings again. Yes. What did you think of that one? I think it are. <laughs> very generous uh, it's, that could be down to Klaus Janssen doing the ink in. I mean this is one of those situations Klaus Janssen is very schizophrenic to yeah. me I mean we, we did kind of lay into him a bit didn't we when we covered him in an issue it was the Two-Face issue of Showcase wasn't it well neither of us liked the art in that
0: yeah.
1: but we did say over the right penciler He's a decent inker. He's a decent inca. and this is a fine example of that. Yeah. Klaus Janssen's scratchy artwork, which was just obscured by the cat running all over my comic, um, actually enhances Dan Jürgen's pencils, which is the point of an inker, and doesn't swamp him. And I pers- I think the art in this is brilliant. I really do. It does look a bit John Romita Jr. But...
0: What's wrong with that? Yeah. I like John Romita Jr. Right. Now on page one. Page one, yes. First thoughtful or anything is when I was a kid my aunt mate woke me up for school every day right
1: every day this is the clone yes but he's he wasn't the clone no he's the real Peter Parker that's yep. the point of the clone saga
0: no they haven't
1: the clone saga is still very very popular but it sucks no it doesn't it does it, it has moments of genius it has moments of utter tripe. Okay worried he yeah well done but no at this point he's the real Peter Parker that doesn't make no sense the clone is married to Mary Jane at this point but no because if
0: you've been following Spider-Man since the beginning there's absolutely no way he could be the clone he's not the clone he's the real one at this point no, in the story at eh? no point he could be the real one then why not because you couldn't be following the person since when he was like my age. It's you know, amazing Spider This the was man. the premise
1: of the clone saga. It's amazing Spider Man
0: 150.
1: Right. We have been following the clone. Peter Parker. So
0: before 150, you don't say,
1: right, we're switching into a clone now. No, this this was the Peter Parker that you read about for 150 issues. But it's not. At this point in the storyline. No, ultimately it'll turn out that it's not. Yeah. And it will turn out that Ben Riley is the clone, yeah. and Peter Parker is really Peter Parker. Right. But as far as we were aware, when we first read this, right. he's the
0: real deal. This guy is Peter Parker. And none of you sat there going... Wait a minute.
1: <laughs> I think lots of people did that, which is why Marvel reversed the stance on this. Yeah. But no, at this point, as far as we were aware, he's the real Peter Parker. Right. Good. I'm glad we've got that settled.
0: I sort of like it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and on page two and th- uh, page two and three, the I double page spread.
1: She, she looks evil. it always looks evil. Yeah.
0: <laughs> she always
1: looks like she's going to take an axe to somebody. She always reminds me of uh, Norman Batesy's mum in yeah. Psycho.
0: On page five. Yes isn't it a good job that his uh, web fluid was out because surely using his web fluid whilst gallivanting as Ben or Peter or whoever he was (laughs) would just leave people suspecting that he's Spider-Man I do like I mean
1: I mean I've not read all of the Clone Saga I have to confess that is one of the the points where I have I've diverged from Spider-Man which is incredibly strange seeing as he's my favourite character but was he wearing his, his web shooters all the time he was wandering around the country doing his David Banner impression apparently so okay, so maybe that explains why he's wearing his
0: uh, right. his web shooters. Also on page six, panel four. Yes. Major complication.
1: Oh no! Major complication, dude. <laughs>
0: he says it a lot. For this. this was the nineties. It right? was
1: the the very. It's none more nineties than the Clone Saga. Right. Um, are we arguing, the case here that Peter Park has a mullet?
0: Dumb. Or it does he it?
1: just have long hair? It's a Mel Gibson mullet. Yeah. You see. See. This, to me, Clark Kent didn't have a mullet. Clark Kent had Duncan McLeod hair. To me, that's very definitely longer at the back yeah. than it is at the front. Although, I wouldn't say it was really short at the front. So I don't know. I don't know if I, I'd, I'd say that was a mullet
0: on the top of page three. But well, if you look at it, on top of page three. Top of right? page four, sorry. Page four. On page five, you just got short hair again.
1: Yeah, well, that's just an inconsistency to the art. But, all right. Independent <laughs> opinion... Angela, lovely wife, is that a mullet? She's very, screwing her face up.
0: It's very eight. It's actually 1996. It's very nice. <laughs> that's it, that's it. Okay. Um, I don't know.
1: It's very it's definitely longer at the back, isn't it?
0: Yeah. What do you have
1: for like this? It but it's the not
0: 90s. quite a mullet, is it? No.
1: So that's my, that's my um, argument and you know this is the kind of thing that comic book fans do discuss whether really? Superman had a oh, mullet okay. upon his return is still the topic of hot debate are those people married yes oh, right. sadly we are all married but I firmly come down on the side that Superman did not have a mullet so what's the verdict
0: undecided oh what a
1: cop out dude sorry okay it's fair a, enough it's a mullet it's Michael says it's a mullet I, I will have to side with my lovely wife And say that I'm undecided on that one. You pussy. Yes, I I would
0: have. have
1: All Alright, If I have to make a decision, I would say that's not a mullet. Right. Because it does seem like it's long all over. Right. Okay.
0: Um, on uh, page eight. Yes. Peter Ben. Peter. Peter. Peter Ben says he's uh, he's confused. He's more confused than ever. Like he's confused. What about the readers? Did did the sales not go lower as the clone saga went on? No. Really? that's why they got asked to pad it out as long as they did while um, really? the Clone Saga was happening
1: Spider-Man sales went through the roof what was wrong with those people I've no, it was the 90s what can I say Well, <laughs> so that's true that's why the Clone Saga went on and on and on they kept being asked to carry the story on this is selling keep going keep going keep going so they did
0: it's
1: I know this really? yes this is a true story swear to god people you know like what you need it. to read I've got on my stick, my USB stick for work, I've got Life of Riley, which is an excellent web article that was written by, oh, I can't remember his name, but it's got interviews with everyone who took place on it. It's a fantastic read. Yeah. Even if you don't like the Clone Saga, it's a fantastic read as to how art and commerce are forever locked in battle. Okay. It was brilliant. You'll have to read that. It's jolly good. All right. Um, page 11.
0: This comic doesn't have page numbers! No, it doesn't. This one, oh, that page that one that, yeah. Right. The road ends... Yes. ...behind the bus. Yes, it does. But the street carries on going and ends behind a lamppost.
1: Well, what they're not showing you, though, is that at the end of that road you just fall off into nothingness. Right, right. That really is literally the end of the world. It's like
0: a video game. When you run to the end of it, you just fall off. Oh, it's like in that driver
1: demo. You get to the end of it, you can't go down there and it just puts you somewhere else. (laughs) And the skies are red, so the crisis happening. Oh, right, okay. Thanks to Michael Bailey for pointing that out to me because that is quite funny.
0: Okay. Yes, uh, page 12, panel 4. Yes. Um, Where is it? (laughs) why doesn't this guy in blue suit and red cape have these problems Dan Jurgens making a Superman reference
1: yes and I do like how it's particularly vague as well because remember Peter Parker has met Spider-Man Super although man. Superman <laughs> yes he sees Spider-Man all the
0: time
1: because yeah. um, the clones hey um, although would that have been this Peter Parker at that point
0: no it wouldn't <laughs> no, well, have. No, it will have it's been the clone it
1: will have been the clone because yeah, at this point Spider-Man Superman happened in 1976 didn't it yeah which is after him as Spider-Man
0: 150 isn't no, it no no it's, it's, it's Peter Peter okay Spider-Man. All right, fair enough go on Ben and Kane are clones yes. Peter is real okay fair enough carry on um, also, the next page here... <laughs> yeah, where he's practising his web shooters. Yes. His web shooters did work, as he says. Or at least he did work before he used the pull his web Yeah, shooters. he's just created
1: all that web fluid, and then he spends a paddle wasting it after he's just complained how much it
0: cost. Yeah. <laughs> oh, brilliant. He, he may be a clone, but he's a dumb one. Yes, he's not a clone, he's real... Page twenty-three, panel one. alright right, was twenty-three. The scientists are talking. Yes, Yes. amazing, sensational, spectacular, (laughs) ultimate web of Marvel (laughs) team-up. Oh, that's quality. Uh, Page forty-five. Yes, which is after all this big fight. After fighting, but fighting, sir. When Mysterio is revealed. It's not Mysterio, it's (laughs) Dormammu. It's the dread
1: Dormammu, you're absolutely right. I'm sorry, I do apologise for this, if Dan Jurgens listens to this show. I do like your art, I think you're fantastic. But that redesign of Mysterio is worse than the original Mysterio. That is more dated than the 60s one. I'm sorry about that, that's not a very good redesign. Peter's dad is her blonde on the penultimate that's, page. Uh, that's nineties stuff. Yes, he looks like a girl. That's yeah. all I'm going to say about <laughs> that.
0: Also, on this last page, <laughs> yes, May and Ben's gravestones. Yes, for that to work, what yes. it says on both of them, yes. May's May she taught to love Ben's. He was loved. Yes, Aunt May would have had to have died first for that to work. Oh, you're gonna love this. At this
1: point in Spider-Man continuity,
0: yeah, I've, I've May this. is dead. Yeah. I saw a video about Clone Saga on one website. Yes. You know that Zero Punctuation? That yes. That you don't like? No. One of the other videos on it, it's this guy who does things, and one of his videos is about the Clone Saga. Yes. And he doesn't like it. No. May Parker is dead at this point. Yeah. Oh, but in fact it will turn out that she's not dead,
1: she's merely an actress right. who was paid by Norman Osborne to play the part of May Parker, and she was so much of a method actress, she died in her role. Right. So she wasn't a clone? No. Right. That's true that. Now, uh, full disclosure, I think I've just nicked that off um, Bertone from the Amazing Spider-Man classics. I'm sure he said that, but I just thought that was really funny. Because he did. She went so far in a role, she killed herself. Okay. That's so plausible, isn't it? Very. Yes. So at this point in the story, May Parker is dead. Right. She She won't stay that way. No. No. How many times has she died? Oh, she's only died... Twice? Twice, I think. Hey, I've died twice. Uh, The artwork is pretty damned excellent. Um, See, this is why I'm really schizophrenic about Klaus Janssen. Mm. Because it really does look excellent over Jürgen's pencils. Page 3, 19, 25 and 26 are excellent. The last page, Peter's had a haircut, Mm. which really doesn't match. Oh, yes, it does. He's had a haircut. Now, he's gone for the reverse mullet here. His hair's very, very short at the back... And long on top. Which is a 90s haircut, isn't it? Oh, I used to have At least, me like at least that, he didn't but.
0: go for the crap 90s one. We got it shaved except for the top part, which flaps over. Yeah, no, he's
1: not got that. Thankfully, he's, uh, he's, he's gone for that. Numerous new characters and situations are introduced here that would all disappear when Ben was unceremonially bumped off. Oh, good. Some would be given closure. The young lady who has been watching for Spider-Man for a very long time is Jessica Carradine. The burglar who killed Uncle Ben's daughter.
0: Uncle Ben had a daughter?
1: No, the burglar who killed Uncle Ben.
0: Right, I thought was the burglar who killed Uncle Ben's
1: daughter. No. The burglar who killed Uncle Ben, it's his daughter. Right. Okay, maybe I said that wrong. Okay. Some wouldn't. The, gra- the Daily Grind coffee shop has rarely been mentioned since. Uh, the New Suit Designs page is pretty damn cool yes. uh, and the Spider-Man movie would we'll do a riff on that a few years later wouldn't they yeah. where he's sketching out all these different costume designs um, Mysterio's redesign we've mentioned is crap you can tell it's the 90s he's got far too many belt buckles maybe he's into that maybe he's into that yeah. Like he's and girl. he's got lovely little boots <laughs> lovely little booties <laughs>
0: Booty. which
1: I quite like um, <coughs> I'm sorry as a redesign that's crap
0: Mysterio's
1: got little boots I know loads of people think Mysterio's cat with the goldfish bowl head but I like the goldfish yeah. bowl head does, does nothing wrong with his design it's
0: great bit in Marvel Zombies when you smash the bowl and you just scoop out the brains oh dear me, oh dear um, why does Ben need to borrow money for flowers
1: when at the beginning of this story, the guy he saved offered him free flowers. He forgot. He forgot? Clones are stupid. <laughs> but at this point, he wasn't a clone. Yes, he is. Okay. Um, as a relaunch, this is a moderately successful first issue. There's plenty of exposition to bring new readers up to speed. There's a new status quo set up for Spider-Man and for his secret identity, Ben Riley. Uh, and, you see, I think this could... I honestly think that if the writers could have found a way to make Ben Peter Parker, this could have taken off. However, within six issues, Dan Juergens was gone from the book, and within a year, Peter Parker was back in the webs, the pregnancy was swept under the carpet, and Aunt May was resurrected.
0: As I've already said, apparently the real Aunt May was replaced by an actress.
1: At least the Um, pregnancy
0: was under the carpet until uh, Straczynski. Yeah,
1: until... um Quizada, I think you oh, mean.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm not making that up.
1: This, this
0: all, uh, this all
1: happened. When it comes to Clone um, Saga, so, yeah. Yeah, it's. Thus, this reboot was rendered entirely moot. Mm. Uh,
0: ben Riley still has his fans. And however. He's, he's coming back. Oh, is he? Have you seen the teaser for Spider Island? No. It's Ben Riley's uh, blue hoodie. Oh, right. On okay. the, mm. uh,
1: well, he does, like I say, he still has a large fan base in the comics community. There's loads of people who grew up mm. reading Spider Man. Through the Clone Saga, so fair play to it. You, you can't knock something that brings in new readers. Still a clone. Um, the entire Clone Saga has finally been collected in a series of quite expensive trade paperbacks. Uh, there's also a Clone Saga podcast called Clone Saga Chronicles, mm-hmm. which is well worth checking out if
0: you were a fan. I honestly prefer all the Clone Saga. Ben Riley, what did you think of the issue as a whole? The issues at all. Um, as an old. It, it was a reboot. Well, what was well, it? It was a. A relaunch? It wasn't a relaunch, it was a continuation. Do you think? It was like that other Spider-Man reboot. The edition, John Bird one? The John Byrne one. It wasn't a number one, it was just a continuation. Yeah, okay, I can go with that. I don't disagree
1: with it. And especially seeing as it's, it's null and void now, yeah. anyway. Um, okay, fair enough. Well, those were our two relaunch issues for this week. If you have an opinion on our opinions, please do feel free to email us at heykithcomics at virginmedia.com. I think is our email address. If we get loads of emails, I'll say, Michael's wrong, Clone Circle is great. I'd be down with reading them. We don't get any saying I'm wrong. No, Apart from we, the new we... guy who just didn't like the way I laugh. <laughs> <laughs> you thought I was hysterical. <laughs> didn't it it? Was. James wasn't that, <laughs> wasn't it? <laughs> oh dear, we love all our listeners. Uh, next week, we will be looking at Fantastic Four number one and The Avengers number one from the 1999 Heroes Return revamp. Um, I'm looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. (laughs) What are you waiting for me then? (laughs) Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Bye-bye. Hey Kids Comics is and the devil will find work for idle hands to do production. Every Thursday, new episodes drop at aplayland.podomatic.com. You can join in the fun. We have a website where you can view the covers of the comics that we talk about. www.haykidscomics.webspace.virginmedia.com. And the show can be emailed directly at heykidscomics at virginmedia.com. If you're allergic to email, we also have a forum. word.com. We are also on Facebook. You can contact us using Hey Kids as the first name, Comics as the surname. The opinions of Michael and Andrew are the opinions of Andrew and Michael and no one else. Mainly because no one else would be dumb enough to have those opinions. The music and clips used in the show are copyright their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. Michael and Andrew make no money from this, much to their chagrin. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Hey Kids Comics.